Yeah, you can be seated. Uh, so obviously we're having a men of valor at my son's house. I will be there as the picture of masculinity. Okay, a little overweight, but no, I'm just teasing. That's exciting. I'm very excited about all the things that are going on here. So we're in our One Thing series. And um, my son gave me an assignment. So who knows how this is going to go. But I spent a lot of time thinking and praying about this, this subject. So I'm going to move into it kind of slow. And I want to kind of jump off or jump in where Sia left off for a minute, just talking about idols. Um, I quoted, this, this, is, this is like the bomb part of this whole sermon. I'm going to quote, Sai. I'm going to quote Dallas Willard. This is dad. He's one of Sai's favorite preachers. It says, the cause of distress, the distressed human condition, individual and social, is spiritual. Think about our society now. So the cause of the distressed human condition, individual and social, is spiritual. So the solution, the solution is spiritual as well. So the dark side of this spiritual condition manifests in a propensity toward idols. Idols being images, imaginations, even feelings sometimes, and fantasies of the flesh that we place ahead of God in our own lives. Sometimes we, we, you know, we think of idols, we, we don't think of how they could be fantasies or, or thought patterns in our minds, those kind of things, or, but more um, objects, like not that coffee could ever be an idol, but um, it, just in case. But So we, sometimes we just think of objects as, as idols, which is, I remember when I was, years ago, when I was running my construction business, and some of you might have heard the story, I was bidding a job, and, and um, the, it was a Vietnamese couple, and they owned a Vietnamese restaurant, and they, I was going in and out of there quite a bit, because they wanted me to do some work, and we were meeting and talking about stuff, and so we were right after about three weeks of working on this proposal, it's going to be a pretty good job, and I noticed that every day I came in and came out, there was Buddha. Okay. Now, if you, if you worship Buddha, pay, listen, listen to me. Little fat statue. Actually, a little heavier than I am, okay? And he's all crunched up sitting there, and they got incense hanging out of him and things, you know, and, and uh, cookies. They got cookies in front of them, all this stuff, and smoke swirling up. And, but this was the big day for my contract, okay? This was the day. They sign it. I mean, I'm going to make a bunch of money, so... I'm in there that day, and they're all excited. And they said, well, we want to wait just a little bit and think about it. And so I'm like, okay, that's fine. I get up, and I'm walking out of there. I'm kind of in a hurry. And I kicked Buddha about halfway across the restaurant, okay? Okay. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God. I just kicked their God, and I'm wanting them I'm wanting them to sign my contract. So I'm thinking, I'm walking out of there thinking, there's no way. You can't kick someone's God and still get the business, right? 
couple days later, they call me, Don, come, that's how he talks. Don, come talk to me, you know. I go over there. We decided we're going to sign with you the contract. I think I'm Hispanic. Go. I got the wrong accent going here, okay, whatever. But, but then I'm thinking, well, maybe because I kicked their God and I didn't die. They thought, this guy, maybe we should go with this guy, amen. Because nothing happened, amen. But I got the job. So if you got a Buddha around and I'm trying to make money off you, I got a plan, amen? So I don't know why I put that in the sermon, but that's a good story, and it's a true, true one, amen? But just, you know, the whole, the whole idea of this, this idol, a physical idol being a god is, is freaky. Things that are, in, things that are, and, and, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, whatever you guys said. So Josiah did a great job last week in reminding us that we all have had idols, right? That we are still deal with idols, trying to influence or run our lives from time to time. And, and then that keeping Jesus the one thing is really critical as we, as we kind of wrestle with these things, amen? And the ways of Jesus, how we do things or how we do life, learning to do life the way Jesus did life. Didn't Jesus say something like this? Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Pretty much every person that Jesus calls, he calls individual, and he asks us to follow him. So, this is kind of going to be one of a kind of a follow him message. Okay, um, a biblical study on the subject of idols will quickly reveal to us God forbids idol worship. Um, Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 through 9. God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Doesn't that sound harsh? No other gods before me? My wife. You shall have no other man before me. No one liked that one? You guys, are, what the heck? Back me on this. Thou shalt know. Okay? But God is, there's a reason for this. I want you, there's, there's, there's deep depth in, in God's commandments. Sometimes people think God is harsh and God is, but God has deep depth in his thoughts and commandments. You shall have no other gods before me because there aren't any other gods. There are no other gods. Okay? You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below, and you shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents of the third and fourth generation, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. 1 John 5, 21. John says, Dear children, talking to us, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. So that's a, we have a part to play. And we're being influenced by these things every day. So because of the nature of idols, they become a snare. Psalm 106, 36, they worshiped their idols, which became a snare to them. Meaning they trap, idols trap and entangle us in lies and deception. Remember, the basis of, a, of an idol is false. 
The gods that the idols represent are not real. The promises idols make are not true. Rather, everything about idolatry, remember, is satanically inspired. Scripture says Satan masquerades as an angel of light, hides himself in the forms of religion. So the promises these idols make are not true. Paul goes as far as to say that idol worship, listen to this, idol worship is inspired by demons. And to participate in idols is to fellowship with demons. That's freaky. Now, based on Paul's writings to the Thessalonians, he says, in keeping with sound doctrine, the end game of the good news of Jesus in our lives will result in turning from idols. That's a paraphrase. He commended the Thessalonians from having turned from idols, that was their culture, their way of life, to serve the living and the true God. And I'd venture to say most of us in here have turned from idols even if we didn't name them or recognize them, to serve the living and true God. So I'm saying that to say there, there are idols, and if, if we're influenced by them or they're defeating us or if we're hanging on to them, there, there, Scripture says there, or there is an idol solution, okay? And I want to talk about it. Learning from who's our one thing? Who's our one thing? It's wakey, wake out. Okay, so, so we're going to learn from our one thing, Jesus, about some practical methods or disciplines we can follow him in that will deliver us from idols or keep us from idols or keep turning us away from idols because, in, because our heart can get open to be, being influenced by idolatry. Specifically, I want to talk about something we see in the life of Jesus that was modeled for us and that will aid us in recognizing and overcoming idols in our lives. Is that, are you all right with that? Okay, get the free, get, keep yourself free from idols. That's my goal for this message. I want Rock Church free from idols, okay? That's not a bad goal. So, how do I say this? How do I say this? Okay, the way, here it is. The way of solitude. Let me make you real nervous. You getting nervous yet? We're sitting in solitude. Can't wait to get there when you get up in the morning, can you? Just the definition of solitude, the state or situation of being alone in quiet. Solitude can be planned by us or orchestrated by God. But either way, it can have a deep spiritual implications. And Jesus is a man of many things, but he's also a man of solitude. He had ways about him. Listen, remember, I'm saying this because Jesus said, follow me. So this is one of those things he's asking us as his children to follow him in, and it's really important. 
Jesus had ways about him, methods of doing things that he wanted all his disciples to copy. You copy that? You copy solitude, amen? Okay, Jesus has these ways, and we want to teach you these ways that are a part of the normal Christian life. And they're not weird, they're powerful. One of the ways that is all over his life and all over the Bible is this solitude thing. And it was, and it was when, when this came up, and I got to studying about it and reading about it, just so much comes out of this, this mindset, this way of Jesus. And so a hard look at scripture will help you see that, and I can't get into all the scriptures. I got to do a lot, of, a lot of just short abbreviation stuff because I could pastor can talk for a long time. You know that, so I'm trying not to do that. So, but a hard look at scripture will help you see that almost every major player, think about this, in the New Testament and the Old Testament, saw great things birthed in, in, in their lives and through their lives in solitude. Okay? In a place of solitude. Moses. Anyone remember Moses? Is he biblical? Moses, on the backside of the desert, encountered in solitude a burning bush. The bush burned and burned and burned and burned. But it, the, the bush was not consumed. And Moses is just, it's Moses in the bush. And the bush gets his attention. When he goes over, gets closer to the bush in solitude. Remember what the bush said? Think about this solitude. Remove your sandals because of the place you are standing on. It's holy ground. That makes me want to shout right there. He's standing on the dirt, people. Was the dirt holy? Or was anything God touches holy? Amen? And he's in solitude and, and God speaks. So keep in mind, Moses was coming out of being raised in a culture steeped with idolatry. So God had to lead him into isolation. But the end game, this is what's interesting, but this is why this, I believe the Lord wants us to learn this topic, this discipline, this method of, of getting away by ourselves, just us and him. Because the end game of Moses' solitude was, listen, a face-to-face, -face, hold on a second, obviously we haven't trained this new child very well. <laughs> I'm just teasing, I'm just teasing. We got a lot of new babies in the house. Let's give it up for the new babies in the house. Woo! Amen. Just joking, David. They're everywhere right now, just little ones crawling around. Doing what they do, right? But listen, the end game, face to, listen, the end game of Moses' solitude, you gotta think about this in relation to you is face to face with God. That's cool. 
but a nation delivered from this solitude, or the, the birthings of a nation, were, nation, were, a nation being delivered were found in this solitude. And guess what? God, it, Moses was going to lead Israel out of Egyptian bondage with a stick. The most powerful nation in the world was going to be confronted with a stick. And it came out of solitude. And I could talk a lot about that. But. So listen to this, David and Goliath, anyone ever heard of those guys? David had been on the backside of the hills of Israel, shepherding his father's sheep. How many of you know that if you shepherd sheep for a living, there's a lot of opportunity for solitude? Okay? David's out there. All it's, it's him and the sheep, man. Uninterrupted. Probably didn't like it all that much all the time. Somehow God had orchestrated this. God had orchestrated this in his life. Some of you right now are going through situations and circumstances of solitude that you're trying to run from. You don't want to be in them. You're trying to fill the solitude, the silence with noise and with people and with stuff and with dreams. And, and God is saying, I have placed you in the solitude so you could learn to make the one thing, the one thing that you could learn to know my voice and know who I am and wait upon me and trust me and I could go on and on and on and on. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? Does anybody maybe agree with what I'm saying? Don't run from solitude. When I get done with this message, I hope you're running to it. And I'll talk to you about that in a minute. So in David's solitude, God was training him. Listen to me. God was training him to slay giants, to inspire him to write the psalms, to sing the psalms, to play the psalms, to worship, and preparing him to be Israel's greatest king ever in solitude. Wow. Jesus faced down Satan in solitude. Spirit-led solitude. Here we go. Scripture says he was led by the Spirit into the desert. Did you hear that? He was led by the Spirit. never does anything that's contrary to the will of the Father. So Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And this may be why many of us who need solitude run from it in our lives. Because along with all of the good God wants to do in us through solitude, sometimes we encounter devils we don't want to see or we don't want to deal with. But if the Lord has orchestrated you being a time of solitude, listen to me, he's orchestrated it for you to be victorious. So, solitude is a principal part of my life. Almost every day. My wife and kids say I'm a loner. 
There's much truth to that, but it hasn't always been that way. I used to love noise. The party. Run to the noise, stay in the noise. Have your mind filled with the noise. And somehow in my relationship with Jesus, that began to change. Because I found in Jesus a secret place called solitude. And I can sense his presence. I can hear his voice more clearly. I can get in agreement with what he's trying to do in me. Because of that, I have solitude places all over the city. The other day, my wife had called me, and I was in one of my places. And she called me, and I missed the call, which that happens often. I called her back, and before we even said anything, she goes, I know where you're at. <laughs> she could hear the geese in the background. <laughs> I got places. Okay. But I, I have these places because I know it's one of the ways Jesus works so much in my life and has. But I discovered solitude on accident. I discovered its necessity when Terry and I would fight over things that were obviously her fault. <laughs> Early in our marriage, Terry was a wreck, man. I was strong, had it together, full of Jesus, and I don't know what was going on in her. So, so being the spiritual man that I was, that I am, to prevent myself from cussing, smashing things, and losing my mind, which I had done multiple times, okay, unlike some of you, I decided to get by myself and pray that God would judge her swiftly and harshly. <laughs> I mean, I can argue with the best of them, you know what I mean? You want to argue about this, God? In my secret place of isolation, I would reveal to God all of her shortcomings. He needed an update. <laughs> and in that solitude, with prayers being lifted up, Scripture being read, complaints being filed, hearts being exposed, God began to transform me. One of the things I don't like about God when we get together one-on-one -on -one is he knows all my stuff. And oftentimes when I'm praying about others, God's, what about you? How are you loving her? Are you loving her correctly? What's your part? See, God's, listen, can, can I say this? God is on both of your sides. Amen? And God has a goal. And I think a lot of it is birthed in solitude. This is kind of what spiritual disciplines are all about. We have a goal as your pastors. We're, we're imperfect people. 
imperfect men, imperfect women. But we love the Lord. We love our people. And we have a goal. Undeniable, very definable. And it's it's recorded for us in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. So I want to just read that to you. So you can understand what, and you probably, maybe you do understand, but what the Holy Spirit is up to, especially if you're in a place of isolation right now. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, and this is the ESV. I don't know how that got to me, but. We tease about the Bible versions around our family. There's the ones my wife uses, my son uses, my daughter uses, and there's the right one, which is the one I normally use. (laughs) Somehow I got one of the other ones, so I'll I'll fix it if there's anything wrong with it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Now listen to me. God God is, if, if, if you're in a season of isolation or if you're willing to go into isolation yourself, okay, Please understand that there's a working going on. There's a, listen to me, there's a dream being um, unmasked of your transformation. God wants to transform all of us in this room into the likeness of his son, our one thing. He wants all of us to reflect the glory of our one thing. Amen. When people encounter rock church people, we want them to encounter that one thing. Amen. That one thing is Jesus growing in you and developing in you and exploding in you and coming out of you. And, and though you loving the world or letting Jesus love the world through you, letting Jesus touch people through you and hug them and hold them and pray for them. And it's all about that. Amen. This transformation. So Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 says that Jesus, he gave the apostles. The Next time you, you think badly of me or my son or Terry, I want you to remember something. Imperfect or not, he gave you us. That's what it says. And you're stuck with me for eternity, so you better get used to it, Amen. <laughs> I mean, if this is all true, and I believe it is, we're stuck together forever, man. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints. Not for bad things, but for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ. Man, those things excite me. Until we all, here it is. Till we all attain in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and mature. We all, it says, we've come to mature manhood or womanhood. To the measure of the stature, listen to this, of the fullness of Christ. Paul said it because he meant it. It's available. Everyone in this room, I don't care how jacked up your life was or is, everyone in this room has the same opportunity laid before him that that the Holy Spirit wants to 
lead you and guide you into maturity to the point where you reflect the full measure of the stature of Christ. Nobody is excluded in that. Nobody, no matter what you, yeah, amen. No matter what you've done or where you're coming from, it's a new day, amen. And Jesus is our one thing who's calling us to follow him and he's calling us this morning to make solitude a part of our life. A lot. Amen? I mean that. I don't know how that plays out in your life, but it's, it's something that every day, I, I get up in the morning, I got to go spend my time. Amen? I might just sit there and look at the water. I might read the Bible. I might pray. I might do all that. Pray for you. I, some of you get random texts from me praying for you. Usually I'm in one of those spots. Now some of you get other texts praying for you, and man, are you in trouble. No, <laughs> no. get one of those, you better get some solitude. No, no. I mean, do you get it? Do you get what I'm saying? You need quiet time. We need that discipline or method of Jesus that he's given us because he's given it to us to transform us and to lead us into victory. Amen. Let's stand up together. I just want to pray over you quick, and we'll have the band come and do what they're doing next. You all right with this? Everyone all right with a little solitude? Amen. Can we just praise the Lord for this thought this morning? Real quick, I want to... Circumstances sometimes drive you to solitude. One of the first times I remember this happening to me, real quick story. There was some, some guy, before I was in Terry's life, there was some guy that used to kind of hit on her all the time. And uh, he hit on her after we got engaged. Hey, Amen. So he pulled up to church one Wednesday night, and me and Terry were talking, and, and we were in a little bit of a fuss. <laughs> he pulls up to church one night, all smiles, hanging out the door. And right when he pulled up, I remembered <laughs> that she had told me that he was hitting on her <laughs> pretty heavy. So I lovingly drug him out of the front seat of the car, with bad intentions and my wife screaming, some preacher you're going to be, some preacher you're going to be. Thank God she said it because I might not be a preacher this, to this day had that happen. But I remember what it did to me because I felt so ashamed that I've got that fleshy that I went and got in a solitary place and I began to cry out to God to change me. And he's been working on me ever since. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for listening this morning.